<laughs> Hello, everybody out there in the wonderful streaming land. How are we all doing tonight? Welcome to the MCU's Bleeding Edge. We are happy to be back. If you missed us last week, we were not on. We're sorry about that. But if you are tuning in today, thank you for coming back and watching. We appreciate your reviews. Anyway, so to get us started here, we have a great panel going on here. Of course, we have my cohort up top there, Mr. Jeff Sloboda. We have returning on the panel as well, the great and amazing Lord Deathman. Great to have you here, Lord Deathman. It's fantastic to be here, Cybershark. I'm ready to go. Thank you. Awesome. And we also have returning for the first time in a while. It's great to have her back, Miss Sally, the MCU girl, who you yes. might find you might find her podcast, See You in the MCU, which is a really great podcast. Definitely check that out. And don't forget to check out Lord Deathman on Sakar.net or uh, .freeform.net. And you also will find him on the amazing uh, podcast, The Champions, as well. He's really awesome. So we're glad to have both of them here tonight. And we're going to get right into this amazing uh, episode. So what we're doing tonight, people, is we're going to be doing What If Episode 7 and 8 for you guys. So we're going to get right off into Episode 7 and talk a little bit about that. And then uh, we have an awesome new little segment we'll be introducing later on tonight in the episode, which is going to be real fun. We're going to enjoy. So to start off with What If Episode 7, which is What If Thor Was an Only Child? <laughs> so this one, I know somebody close to me here doesn't didn't really care for this episode, but I thought this was a fun episode. I thought it was hilarious. I loved the take they took with it, and I was... Happy that a lot of the voice cast came back to portray their characters for the MCU. So to start us off, of course, we get kind of that same feeling we did with the first Thor film. We all of a sudden, there's uh, Natalie Portman's character, Jane, and then, of course, Darcy's character out there in the middle of nowhere in their van. And there's an anomaly that happens, and that's basically how the episode kind of starts. And and so instead of Thor basically having Loki to as on his side, he's an only child. You know, Odin gave back Loki to his real family. And so it's kind of what happens with, you know, Thor and kind of how he is as an only child, which I think is it was really interesting. So as we get into that a little bit, so it starts off like that, and then all of a sudden Thor appears on, you know, on Earth and basically says that he's going to take over and then he wants basically a giant house party to go on on Earth. <laughs> Which I think is absolutely hilarious. So my first question for the panel is, what were your thoughts when he came down and at first said, you know, I'm going to take over, you know, the name of Earth that he gives it. Midgard. What were you guys's, yeah, Midgard. What was your guys's first thoughts of when all of a sudden Thor showed up and like acting like he was going to be like taking over Earth? Uh, started with you, Jeff. Oh, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I was, you know, like. Just like it kind of always is with these what if episodes at first. I'm like, I don't know what, you know, I'm just kind of just chilling there for a minute. I mean, um, honestly, uh, I was, you know, I didn't know what to think was was really going to happen. I mean, when I realized he was going to like, it was going to be party Thor and everything and whatnot. I was like, okay, well, this is different. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, obviously this is going to be, uh, I knew right there, like, okay, like this is going to be like a, uh, a light fair 
version of uh, what if where we're going to kind of go in a, uh, you know, uh, I, like like Lord Deathman says, like a disnified kind of way, basically. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it was uh, at that point of the episode, I was on board and um, things had like, you know, progressed to where I was. I was kind of interested as to what was happening. I was. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Sally? What did you think about that introduction to Thor in this episode? Um, I thought it was very fitting for Chris Hemsworth's Thor character. I thought coming to Earth and be like, party time! Very fitting. Especially from, like, Age of Ultron on, Thor was very much like that. I would agree there. I would definitely agree there. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lord Deathman? What were your thoughts on that introduction to Thor? Wow. I was a little disoriented, to be honest with you. So seeing Thor in this new context where he wants to party in Midgard, where he is an only child, I have to say that it did take me a while to sort of get into the spirit of the thing, that this isn't one of my favorite episodes, you know, spoiler alert. But after a while, I kind of took to the premise and I said, okay, this is what it is. So let me relax and just try and enjoy the episode for what it is. Um, I like the cast of characters that you see as the story unfolds. But I have to say it was a jarring introduction that Thor, the premise being that he's an only child and as an only child, he sort of is this, he's party Thor, right? We had fat Thor. Now we have party Thor. When are we going to get like grim Thor or killer Thor? (laughs) (laughs) Killer Thor. Nice. Uh, No, well, you know, just a little bit of levity there, but yeah. Um, In a word, I was a little disoriented, but I was willing to give the premise a try. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Did you have something to say, Jeff? Did you add your finger up, sir? Yeah. Maybe we'll get, uh, maybe we'll get frog Thor. Maybe he'll come back. Uh, we did get alligator Loki. Thor and Loki. So, but <laughs> Great. I would love now I want frog Thor. I need blown... frog Thor. It was in Loki. <laughs> he was in Loki. Yeah. Alligator Loki. Yeah. So we already got Alligator Loki, so why not a frog Thor? That that would be uh, hilarious now, wouldn't it? Spoilers! I know about Alligator Uh, Loki. Yeah. So uh, another thing I noticed about this episode is all the cameos that they added into this episode. I mean, you know, just like Lord Deathman was bringing out, you know, there's all the characters that they showed, you know, basically when it's shown Party Thor. And, uh, that's what we're going to call him from now on, Party Thor. And, uh, you know, it's, it's super funny, like, all the different people that showed up. I mean, we had, throughout the episode, we all of a sudden, we had, you know, Drax pop up. We had Nebula pop up, even Gamora. We had, you know, Howard the Duck popped up real quick in, you know, this episode after he comes down. Which, by the way, was voiced by Seth Green. I don't know if you guys knew that, oh. but he is actually voiced by oh, Seth wow. Green. I don't know yes. who Seth Green is. Uh, redhead kid from uh, the Austin Power movies as Doctor Evil oh. Son. Oh, right. Okay. Um, without a paddle. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Like, like finding that out, and I was like cracking up because I was like, "Wow, I didn't even recognize his voice because that doesn't even sound like Steph Green." So I thought that was really interesting. How good he is at doing voiceovers. 
Uh, but like just the plethora of all the characters, and, and even in this like this first party scene, we see you know Thor's down there. Grandmaster is there, and he's like doing the DJ and stuff like that, which I think is absolutely hilarious. And so as we go on, you know, all of a sudden it it shows like they they've had a party. Next morning, Jane wakes up. The somebody's knocking on her door. Thor's there, passed out, and a few other people, Korg and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, there's Rumlow there, and so is Colby Smulders' character. Hell. And knocking at the door, you know, saying, Jane, we need to talk to you, we need to talk to you. Um, so, what were you guys' thoughts on that occurrence happening? I mean, did you expect to see, you know, Maria Hill in this episode, or Rumlow? What were your thoughts? Uh, start with you, Sally. I wasn't expecting Rumlow, but I was expecting Hill. Um, I, I don't know why I was expecting Hill. I was expecting either Fury or Hill and Fury's in a coma or something. So, um, yeah, there's that. I freaking hate Rumlow after the Winter Soldier situation. So, eh, hate him. Mm, mm, interesting. How about you, Lord Deathman? Did I expect to see Maria Hill or... Rumlow, probably not, but it was a pleasant surprise to see them using these characters from the MCU as a part of the support to this premise and the knock on the door and the sort of hint that there was some action going on inside the room. Uh, a little titillating there, <laughs> uh, at Disney being a bit risque. Uh, uh, I although I, I think there were two beds in the room. But no, I didn't expect to see either of those characters, but both of them were a pleasant surprise. So I'm a big Crossbones fan. I do think he died a little prematurely in the MCU. He's a great villain. And my only question is, like, is he a Hydra agent here? Like, under is he still undercover, but working for S.H.I.E.L.D.? And, um, you know, you know it's serious when you got to get Rumlow and Hill in on it to, to kind of put the kibosh on Party Thor. Most certainly, most certainly, definitely on Party Thor if you have to get somebody in there to stop them, you know. You gotta send in your top agents, you know what I mean? So, how about you, Jeff? Didn't we have Rumlow earlier in the, um, in the, uh, what if the Avengers didn't happen episode? Yes. Okay, yeah, so this is his second time that we had him in, in What If, and actually, I thought that was cool, you know, like, just that alone, that we got Wait. Rumlow twice. Um, Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. So uh, yes, Sally. I agree. That one, oh, Sorry. go ahead. Go ahead, Sally. That episode was the one where the Avengers were all pew 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 murdered, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now I got it. So, yes. um, like Lord Deathman said, I like Crossbones as a character too. Um, and it's too bad that they killed him off the way that they did, like that. I really would have wished. Would I wouldn't have minded if they would have kept him around in the MCU. In some way, I mean, um, I don't know about the adapt the adaptation of Crossbones they gave us. Um, you know, it was kind of, I don't know, weird. But um, basically, as far as like the What If episode goes, um, I was surprised to see Shield, and I'm happy to see Shield because I thought to myself, well, they're introducing all these characters from different Thor films. Why not have Shield? You know, like like from Thor one be a part of the series. You know what I mean? Um, I was surprised as hell that Fury wasn't there. Like when Maria Hill, I was like, okay, well, where's Fury? You know? Um, so that kind of like, you know, confused me a little bit. 
And I, I thought for sure that um didn't Thor wasn't didn't Thor and um and um geez, I forget her name like already. Um didn't what didn't Jane and Thor sleep in the same bed? Yeah, probably. We're gonna have to and the, in the episode. In yeah. the episode, no, they're not in the same bed. They're not in the same bed, but okay. it's it's heavily implied. At least I think so. There was a there, there was a scatological comment at one point. I can't remember if it was Darcy that said it or somebody said something that was kind of adult. Is that what the kids are calling it now? Something like that. I yeah yeah something like that. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. kind of funny. If uh, something yeah. happened in the room, guys, uh, we should all keep in mind that Rocket Raccoon was in that room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is asleep uh, at the oh sink, and Party Thor is on a fainting couch. Yeah, and so, there are a bunch of baby goats, so like not in front yeah. of the goats. Why do they keep making Guardians of the Galaxy a part of like anything that happens with space or something like that? Like I don't because they're a comedic element. I yes, yeah, yes. comic relief. It's the comic relief because they are all those characters. James Gunn made them very comic reliefy. I mean, anything Drax says, you cannot want to laugh at it. I'm sorry. You just can't. Yeah. I would totally agree. That was pretty much it, Cyber. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So so we have that interaction happen. We get introduction introduction to Maria Hill and Rumlow. Maria Hill explains what happened to Fury because we get a brief glimpse of Fury. He gets hit by Korg (laughs) as Korg is running to make a cannonball into the the water, the fountain there. And so he's in a coma, as we've mentioned before. So then then they uh, get flown off into one of the ships for a shield, and they're basically Maria Hill's explaining everything to Jane and everything, and that they need help to basically get the word to go back to Asgard, basically. And that's kind of like the introduction to more um, things coming up. Uh, the greatest part about this episode is that one of Jeff's favorite characters is in this episode, which I, I just had to mention his favorite character, who he absolutely loves her movie because she was just so fantastic. Captain Marvel? Uh, <laughs> Discussing? Yes. No. Yes, Jeffrey. Yes, Jeffrey. What would you like to say, sir? Oh, you, what are you kidding me? Uh, you know what? Captain Marvel was my highlight in this episode. Are you sure you're not on drugs? No, no. He, she really was. I loved her. I loved, I loved the animation version of Captain Marvel. It was good. Awesome. It was really good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, my only, like, my only takeaway from the whole, like, Captain Marvel was I just, you know, when, when she fights, you know, and everything with Thor and whatnot, um, you know they're punching each other like over states and like countries and everything and everything. And you think that somebody, you think somebody would bleed at some point a little bit, you know, like or like get dirty. You know what I mean? Like you know, like, it is cartoon, so and Thor's a I, god. I, yeah, so I mean, I, bleed very easily. I, I don't think they. I don't think Disney was like, oh, we got to make sure they bleed in this. You know, uh, I don't think that was yeah. a top priority. That makes that but um, yeah, but it would be impossible, <laughs> like bio- biologically, for someone to get punched that hard that they're going over state lines and not have at least a broken nose. Well, yeah, something like that, most definitely. <laughs> oh, I would yeah. think so as a, more than a broken nose, I would think. 
Yeah, probably. Well, don't forget this is not in reality, people. Remember, oh, this is fantasy. Animated. It's called fantasy, sirs. This is cartoon ladies. violence. Yes, it's thank you, Lord Deathman. Yeah. So anyway, so as so you know, not talking about Captain Marvel. Um, we haven't gotten to her yet, but so we have that conversation. They, you know, Jane gets in tune with everything, and then all of a sudden, uh, we're back to where Thor is down, still partying, and. Who shows up? Loki. So what were you guys' thoughts on Loki popping up as an actual frost giant is is another good question I would like to ask. Uh, starting with you, Sally, what did you think about Loki showing up as an actual looking frost giant? Why was he hot? That was my thought. Why was okay. he sexy? I literally made a TikTok about this. And then, like, <clears throat> and then my second thought was, um, wow, Loki's here. It's a party now. Very true. Very <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Lord Deathman? Well, Loki's always cool. You know, I don't know if I'm going to have to be the first to start a Tom Hiddleston fan club, but I just love this guy's team spirit to come back. And he's, they're like, oh, we have an episode where it's like, it's a party. And then like Loki is a part of the party. And you Tom's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, you know, <laughs> right? You don't have to bring in a sub for me. So I love the work ethic on Tom Hiddleston. I'm just going to say that. But, you know, I did kind of enjoy seeing Loki rendered as an actual frost giant, as the heir to Jotunheim, if I've pronounced that correctly. Jotunheim. A, a part of me, Sorry. thank you, Sally, Jotunheim, a part of me wonder... <laughs> Why wasn't he born sickly and small for a frost giant in this universe, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that's the reason why they never became siblings, because Loki was born healthy. Uh, maybe we didn't go to war with the frost giants, and, and Asgard didn't have that confrontation. So you, you have them not growing up as siblings, but they're still friends because they're kind of realm adjacent. So they, they party together. But I was like, oh, wow, it's kind of nice to see like a nine, 10 foot tall Loki rendered as an actual frost giant, no enchantments to make him look as guardian. Um, and the dynamic is they don't have that competitive dynamic that we know from the MCU mainline continuity. They're much more like colleagues of the realms. You know, they're both like princely dudes who, uh, you know, <laughs> get together to party every now and again. I also have to mention that there were some great cameos from a lot of the different races, the scrolls. I think he partied with um, those gold fellas from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He does yep. some selfies with a lot of different uh, aliens. And I was like, I think even the Kree get in on the action at some yep. point. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was a highlight of the episode to see giant Loki. And I hope that they can do that in live action at some point. Now. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice. Now I'd like to see that, but I totally agree with you, Lord Deathman. We should start a Loki fan page because he deserves it, or Tom Hiddleston fan page. I definitely, I, I'm down for that because he de- definitely deserves that. I think Tom Hiddleston fan page, believe me. <laughs> but the, I mean, guys, he didn't have to do this. You know, he didn't have to come back to do the voice for this little bit role. He could have been like, "Yeah, get my sub in there, man," because I'm chilling with Taylor Swift or whoever the lady is of the month. But he was like, no, I'm British, and, you know, I've, I've got my, what is it, their SAG card. I've got to go in and do this performance. No one else can take ownership of Loki, and I love that about this guy. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely. amazing. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. How about you, Jeff? What were your thoughts on seeing Loki as a frost giant? My main thinking really was like, okay, well, you know, at, at that size, any human chick that tangled with Loki <laughs> from a from a bedroom standpoint that night during the party or whatever, like in the morning, she was seriously hurting, like and needed some pain medication. You know what I mean? Like, you might be dead, like let's be real. At the very least, her iPhone was messed up. After it was over. <laughs> I can't breathe. So uh, anyway, so, you know, yeah, I, mean, I was kind of, you know, impressed by uh, that whole aspect of that, uh, you know, os- you know, frost giant. What the fuck? Sorry, I heard something outside. Oh, okay. Well, uh, oh, you scared me for a minute there, but uh, yeah, no, I was just wondering, like, you know, like, like, like everybody else is thinking. I think, like, you know, what um. How did he become that big? Like, why did he like? Why did getting brought back to Jotunheim uh, make him become an ice giant? You know, like, um, that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, I thought it was neat. Um, and you know, Lord Deathman nailed it. It's nice to see that at least he came back to voice his, you know, role. I mean, so many haven't. You know, it's it's good to see. You know, at least that he did. Um, but it certainly was unique. It was unique to see him in that 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 version of him. I totally agree with all of you. I think it was really awesome seeing him as a frost giant. I was like, when he popped up, I was kind of like blown away. I'm like, holy crap, he's an actual frost giant. I was like, really like, just kind of in awe because I thought it was so cool. And, and I just liked the whole concept of seeing Loki in that look too as well. And seeing him as his actual race of what he really is. And so I thought that was just a really cool concept. And I'm glad that they brought that into What If. So as we go on, so that's when all of a sudden, after getting introduced to Loki, that's all of a sudden when Captain Marvel shows up. And basically her uh, her and Thor get into this giant you know, battle, basically. We see them get, you know, start hitting each other. They end up over, you know, in the United Kingdom. They take down Stonehenge. Um, they keep fighting it all of a sudden in a desert, and you think, you know, basically Captain Marvel being as powerful as she is, you know, she would be able to take him down, but, you know, he's she's not able to. He's still able to kind of defend himself. And so we get, we get a whole bunch of action sequences here with them battling each other and stuff like that. And, you know, basically we see all these kind of crazy areas they go to and they're fighting and stuff like that. And, you know, that's where it comes in where everyone was talking about how, how, you know, how can Thor be punched into a crater and he's not bleeding and stuff like that, you know. So definitely I can see, you know, that connotation there. But I think these fight sequences were really well done. And that's my question for you guys. What did you guys think about that action sequence? Did you, was there anything you enjoyed about it? Anything you didn't enjoy about it? And do you think there could have been anything different? Uh, let's start with you, Jeff. Yeah, the, um, again, like I said, the fight itself and Captain Marvel showing up was my highlight for the episode. That was the main thing that I liked. And I thought that the animation with Captain Marvel looked great. Um, when she was glowing a lot, like like she was, you know, doing her whole, you know, Super Saiyan deal or whatever. Um, I thought that was neat. The way that they animated it looked really cool. And, um, you know, uh, it was a little bit kind of like outlandish that they were like, being knocked around from like different states and everything like that and whatnot. I thought that was kind of like, you know, far-fetched, but for me, 
like I said, the main thing for me was I loved seeing Captain Marvel. Um, I think that was Brie Larson. I'm not no. sure. Oh, it wasn't. Okay. No, it was no. not. Okay, okay. Brie was too busy to reprise her role, but Tom but Hiddleston bad. was not. <laughs> yeah. Brie Larson. I would have thought Brie would have came back. I really, I really would have thought she would have. But but so yeah, that's pretty much it, Cyber. You know, like I said, just really enjoyed the fight. Um and um I I I still to this day, I still enjoy seeing Captain Marvel pop up in something. You know, um, it's just uh her movie <laughs> doesn't do it for me. Very well said, Jeff. Very well said. How about you, Sally? What did you think about that fight sequence? Um, very. Uh, they flew a lot. They punched each other so hard that they were flying. I have like no um, notes today, so like, but um, it was. It was very entertaining to see them destroy Stonehenge and then punch each other across the country or across the world. It's like a giant game of volleyball, but with two superheroes, and they are just punching each other instead of the ball. Very true. Very true. I would would definitely agree there. The world's biggest slingshot, but no, because that didn't exist yet. Yep. Very true, very true. How about you, Lord Deathman? What did you think about the fight sequence? I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, I found it equal parts amusing and very engaging and entertaining. I like the way they imbued the fight with the personality of both fighters. Captain Marvel really fights as if she were a Kree soldier, you know, trained in a in a kind of Uh, I guess, interplanetary type of martial arts. She had a lot of blocks, kicks, uh, good throws. And Thor stays true to his form with regards to just being a brawler. He's like, look, I'm just super strong. And every time I touch you, it's going to hurt. So I I enjoy the fight. I I kind of don't like, you know, Captain Marvel as this perpetual wet blanket. You know, she's always kind of coming in to clean up a mess or it's always sour grapes with her and a lot of frowning and all of this kind of stuff. Um, they haven't really, for me at least, dialed in the Captain Marvel personality um, beyond yeah. her just sort of being semi-pissed off all the time um, is, yeah. is her thing. So uh, if there was one criticism I had a fight about the fight, that probably w- was it, that you know it had to be her to kind of come in and be the wet blanket and the person who wants to stop the party. <laughs> uh, whereas, you know, Thor gets to be this uh, kind of immature adolescent, um, but you still are rooting for him because everybody loves a party. I believe they said party pooper was thrown around. Yes, yep. the word party yep. pooper is used at some point. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. I definitely agree with you, Lord Deathman. Most definitely, yeah. I could, I could see her being considered like the wet blanket and stuff like that. I totally see that. Uh, very good uh, observation, I think. And uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, so moving on. So uh, after their fight, you know, basically, you know, Captain Marvel goes back and, you know, you know, basically they have a discussion, you know, that she failed, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, basically, you know, what their next options are. And basically, you know, I thought you had to punch that kid, you know, cause a nuclear explosion, basically. And so they kind of come up and advise, you know, 
come up with this idea where, you know, she will do this punch and then they'll launch a nuclear warhead to stop Thor. So after that happens, uh, you know, we see all of a sudden we see Jane and Darcy going and Jane's trying to get in contact with Thor to let him know what's going to happen. And so that's when all of a sudden Jane gets the idea of, you know, who else would Thor listen to as his mother? And so then all of a sudden that's when Frida pops up, you know, eventually there. Uh, after, you know, Captain Marvel and him kind of get into a battle again when they're supposed to be taking out this plan. And all of a sudden, Frida shows up. And I thought the introduction to Frida, basically, in that, the main scene where she pops up and she's, like, having, like, tea and stuff, like, with these other Asgardian people, I think was super hilarious. And my thoughts, or my question for you guys is, what were your thoughts when all of a sudden that idea popped up in the episode and Frida popped up and that, you know, they were going to have Frida basically talking to Thor. What were your thoughts on them using that element in this episode? Uh, starting with you, Sally. Dick move, Jane. Dick move. <laughs> like, do you, the last thing you do at someone's party is call the mom. <laughs> Get someone to stop it. That's true. Very true. Very true. Love Anything else? Hand. Um, ooh, the cleanup scene was funny. I don't, okay. I don't know. A lot of comic relief with the goddess Freya. Freya? Frigga? Frigga. Frigga. I just pulled yarn out of my sleeve. Okay. So, Sorry. <laughs> yarn is Frigga. The yarn is Frigga. We couldn't see it, Sally. We couldn't see it happen. You didn't have to. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Sorry. Freya or Frigga is correct, by the way, guys, but she is Frigga in the MCU. She could be Freya oh. in the Norse myths as well. Both all meaning Friday, I believe. Awesome. Thank you for that, Laura Desmond. That's nice to know. I knew how it. about you? How about you, Jeff? What did you thought about Freak up, popping up. Love seeing Heimdall. You know? Anytime we get to see Heimdall, that's that's positive. Um, I think that was the first time we saw him in What If. So, um, yeah, the, having Frigga come down was cool. I mean, it's what I figured was going to happen, kind of. I, you know, like, I figured that's the direction things were going to go. Like, that's the one person that's going to be able to stop him from, like, being party Thor or whatever and rectifying his behavior. So um, it seemed very, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a very good move on um, Jane's part to actually interject herself into things the way she did and get Frigga um, down to earth. I thought it was kind of, you know, when Howard the Duck married Darcy, I was like, are you kidding me? Like... <laughs> you know, come on, man. Like that was funny. You're that not was, for interspecies uh, romance. I, no, yeah. I'm not with that. I'm a, I'm I'm an opportunity guy when it comes to that stuff. But I mean, um, you know, I'm just saying. Um, Should it, we be worried about any horses around you, Jeff, no. or ducks? I'm good. Oh my God, no, I'm good. But um, <laughs> no, I just uh, when that I happened, know, I was like, okay, well. That really told me the direction the episode was going, really. You know what I mean? At that point, I knew, like, they're going full-blown. It's going to be full-blown comedy. Yes, I would agree. Full-blown comedy. That, that, like, the whole scene 
where, you know, all of a sudden Frigga pops down, you know, and starts talking to Thor. And he's like, no, I'm in my room doing homework and stuff like that. I just started cracking up so hard. It was so sick and funny because that was, like, perfect. That was, like, totally what you would have to do to get, like, you know, a teenage boy to really kind of stop his, you know, bring her mother into the situation. I thought that was so funny. That's why it's so how about- so how- Sorry. It's okay. How about you, Lord Death Man? What did you think about Frigga popping up? Yeah, that that uh, let me tell you guys, I'm gonna be honest with you. The I watched this episode two times. The first time I watched it, you would have had to have climbed the Empire State Building to get up to my high horse on how much I didn't like this episode. Because, you know, I was like, this should be serious, man. This should have been a real premise. What's going on here? This is like it's a comedy, it's for kids. You know, so I was kind of there with it on the first watch. But then, you know, after you watch it the second time and you're kind of aware that you're going in this comedy direction, I was like, Freya, Frigga, I'm sorry, showing up. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> I got to pick one. Yep, Frigga yep. showing up really is in line with the trope that they were trying to express in the episode. It's weird science, right? You know, these guys use their computer to somehow make Kelly LeBrock. You know that a Commodore 64 can't make a supermodel, but you go with it, right? Because it's it's a funny situation. And eventually those two kids, uh, spoilers for Weird Science, if you haven't seen it, they got to get everything cleaned up by the end of the movie. And there's, you know, a lot of quick typing on the. But what I'm just saying is that they, they were following a certain trope. If you've ever seen the 80s sort of Animal House, Weird Science, any of those Revenge of the Nerds, type films this this was really um a homage to those types of comedies and i thought it's perfect that the parents are coming home although if you want to be one of those sticklers for mcu continuity and physics it took frigga way too long to get to midgard via the bifrost that should have been instantaneous but thor had like mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours to get the place cleaned up but again, you know, I feel like what if is a little bit more relaxed. You don't have to be like a continuity Nazi. You can kind of sort of check your brain at the door and just have fun with some of these out there alternate scenarios. So, yeah, I thought it was in line with the trope. I thought it made a lot of sense. And I was anxious to see what was going to happen when she showed up. I have literally Very- heard of none of those movies you guys just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I know. your homework is google weird science rdj your favorite actors in it (laughs) you'll see him as a teen in that one no i love robert Downey jr i just don't like iron man (laughs) (laughs) that means you don't like robert downey jr (laughs) (laughs) they're the same person spoiler alert i just Uh. Too funny. I feel like being reminded of that douchebag in high school when I'm trying to enjoy a movie. Okay. I get that kind of vibe from Tony Stark. Huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a playboy philanthropist, you know, you know, party boy, like kind of like party four. So I can understand that. I see where that where you're coming from there. Uh, I can totally see that. philanthropy thing he has done throughout all of the movies. As a philanthropist? He gave yeah. a ton of money to MIT for yeah. a bunch of studi- students to uh, finish their thesis pro- product projects. Yeah, and, and Civil War. Oh. 
That's one. <laughs> I mean, he did on show on in the movie, but that he's a philanthropist. Yeah, he, that's that's his generalized term of who he is. So okay, but anyways, the only thing I could think of before you said that was donating him into painting to the Boy Scouts in like Iron Man Two or something. Yep, yeah, he does that too. But I don't think they end up doing that because he was, you know, high on his own medicine. Um. Anyway, so going, moving on. So I think one of my all-time favorite cameos that popped up in this film, or this episode, I should say, was Suter from Thor Ragnarok. I think it was absolutely hilarious that yeah. he popped up in this, and he's like, he's like singing and dancing, and he like he gets tripped up in the phone lines, and he's burning them. That was absolutely freaking hilarious. I absolutely loved that whole portion of it. I thought it was that was perfection for this episode. Statue of Liberty. Very much so, yeah. And that was just really fantastic. So as we move on, though, after that, you know, you know, Frigga comes down and is speaking with Thor, and he's given all these excuses and stuff. And then she's like, "Oh, I have to see this for myself," and decides, you know, he's she's going to come. And so that's when all of a sudden we go. He goes into basically panic mode and is like asking everyone. You gotta help me clean this up, you know, because my mother's coming and stuff like that. So, you know, all of a sudden he gets up there and he's like, he's like, you have to listen to me. And that, that absolutely cracked me up to that portion of that scene where he's like doing that. It was absolutely funny. But as he goes on, you know, he's asking for their help. And so then, you know, basically he goes and he fixes everything he's, you know, messed with, you know, the, the, uh, the frost giants messing with Mount Rushmore and all that kind of stuff. And, what you know, basically fixing the tower, the leaning tower of Pisa, which was already leaning, so he didn't need to fix that. But I thought that was pretty funny. And at, you know, basically gets everything fixed, and then he's got like a group of people. And when Frigga pops up, and he's like, "Oh yes, I'm teaching," as you can see here, you know. And that was absolutely freaking hilarious too. It's just so fun, and that's basically how the episode ends with you know, basically him kind of like getting away with it, kind of you know, just like in any of those. 80s movies as Mr. Lord Deathman was talking about, especially like Weird Science and so forth. And uh, I think that's just a fantastic way to end it. And it, I just thought it was all around a really fun episode. So my final question on this episode is what was your overall take or overall feeling of the episode? Starting with you, Sally. Thor likes to party. And okay. Frigga is that person who's like... All right, I need this to be clean in three, two, one, and you all need to be out in like 30 seconds. She's that kind of mom. Okay, okay. Any other thoughts on it? Um, no teacher ever would have all of their students sitting on the ground and be next to a chalkboard. That's just, a, that's just not how teachers are. You're Apparently you've never been desk. to other... You haven't been to other uh, countries because they do do that in other countries. Yeah, you're right. I haven't. <laughs> no teacher ever in America. And I believe they were in New Mexico or Nevada. Nevada. So, yeah. Very true. Very true. How about you, Jeff? What was your overall impression? Um, well, like Lord Deathman said, it wasn't one of my favorite episodes. Um, I knew, I, I understand. The premise of it, I get it. Like you know, it was a light episode. It was it was comedic, and I know there's people in the MCU fandom that enjoy that kind of thing. I do. I get that. So, it, you know, just because I didn't really care for it doesn't mean that I I don't respect other people liking it. You know what I mean? Um, I just felt like um, 
it was a bit too comedic for me, too silly. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I like the darker stuff. So this was this was not dark. Um, but I still liked Captain Marvel being in it and Shield, and it was cool. It was still a, a fun episode. Um, I don't know if I had to rate it one through ten, I'd probably give it a two. <laughs> wow. Wow. Gotcha, gotcha. Opinions, opinions, people, opinions. All right, Lord Deathman, to finish this episode off, what were your thoughts on a whole of the episode, sir? Well, my overall impressions of the episode, I'm kind of in sync with Jeff. I was a little disappointed by the episode itself. Uh, I thought the tone was a little too comedic. I also felt like they were leaning a lot on those tropes from those 80s comedies that we talked about a little bit earlier. So a part of me just doesn't feel like... Um, it just felt it lacked a little sophistication and they might have been talking down to the MCU audience with this particular episode. But I will admit, though, on a second watching, I enjoyed seeing a lot of different character moments. I loved Giant Loki. He really saves the episode for me and him tinkering, tinkering around with uh, the iPhone, you know, <laughs> and relaying Thor's messages. Even I, as serious as I like things to be, had to sort of, you, you know, your heart kind of warms to that kind of comedy. But I'm I'm kind of in Jeff's camp. I'm in a 2, 2.5 space with this particular episode. It feels like the type of episode that they wrote because they needed to give the writers some breathing room to focus on a couple more serious episodes. It's like we're at a breakneck pace writing these scripts. It's real tough in the writer's room. We got to get this stuff to the animators. But uh, can you give us like a freebie? Can you give us an easy one so that we can crank out an episode number eight where it's it's just like a, a, a finely tuned instrument, if, if that makes sense, guys? Kind of like Thor Ragnarok before Infinity War, giving us one last fun little laugh movie before ripping our hearts out. <laughs> that's a good that's a good analogy, I guess. Yep. Yeah, very much so. All right, guys. So that was episode seven. So moving on to episode eight, my friends. Episode eight. My so episode eight, episode eight is What If Ultron Won? So this was an interesting title. I definitely thought this was an interesting topic. Uh, and I thought it was, you know, definitely something that was... Uh, you know, something to explore, especially with, you know, at the very end of episode seven, all of a sudden we saw, you know, we see Ultron in Vision's body. So that was nice to see that they actually finally transitioned one of those end credit scenes into another episode. So that was really cool. Did you I have something to say, Jeff? Screamed. Sorry. No, I'm okay. Okay. Looked like you had your hand up. So that's what I was asking. Anyway, so. So episode eight. So basically it starts off, we see Black Widow and she's battling, you know, uh, Ultron's force. And, you know, we have this like huge battle going on. And, you know, basically we're reminded of, you know, oh, we, we did defeat Ultron. But what if he actually had one and he was successful in bringing his putting himself into Vision's body instead of Vision becoming Vision? And all of a sudden we get, you know, we get a glimpse of, you know, Black Widow and stuff and she's kicking butt and they're fighting Ultron's robots. And then all of a sudden Clint Burton pops up too as well, which was, you know, interesting. And all of a sudden he has a robotic arm, which I thought was an interesting take. 
I don't know what your guys' thoughts were. What were your thoughts on that? That's my first question. What did you think about all of a sudden Clint Barton having a robotic arm in in his introduction into this episode? Starting with you, Sally. I didn't realize Clint Barton was a cyborg, but uh, I guess he is now. Um, it didn't really make sense to me. Like, what context did that happen in? Yep, yep, yeah. I don't. That's that's what I was thinking too. Uh, like, why all of a sudden did Clint have a you know cybernetic arm? Like, they didn't really explain that at all in the episode either. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, how about you, Lord Deathman? What did you think about all of a sudden Clinton Barton popping up and having a cybernetic arm? Listen, I hate to go off topic here, but I have to profess my love for Ultron as a villain. He's one of my favorite <laughs> Avengers villains, and I just thought that that had to be on the record right here. Loved on the record. Uh, Ultron is this iterative villain in the comic books. You get Ultron 1, Ultron 2. Ultron 3, you know, he keeps stepping up the ladders in terms of improving himself with each new iteration that you see him. And I think every Ultron fan's dream is to see Ultron unlimited. And that's what this felt like. You know, he finally <laughs> climbed the, the highest heights of supercomputer evolution. But as for Clint and his uh, abrupt and sudden prosthesis and becoming a cyborg, I think that might be a send up to the Age of Ultron comic book that came out way back in 2013. I'm not sure if Hawkeye in the comic book has a robotic arm, but Age of Ultron in the comic books is kind of a what if scenario in which Ultron finally wins. And I know that some of the characters in that story had weird prosthesis from all the warring and fighting with Ultron's forces. They'd lost limbs and had to have them replaced. So this could be a, a reference to that as far as the comic books. But I will say it did, you know, seem to come out of nowhere. And they were trying to create that surprise moment when he gets shot and his arm gets torn off. The first thing you think is, wow, he just lost his arm. Right. And the writers do that purposefully to sort of create a little moment of surprise. And then they kind of um, reel, reel you back in by saying, you know what, it's, it's a robotic arm. Don't worry. MCU fan, we got you. There was even yeah. like a sort of hole where the shoulder should be, where the arm like would connect to the body. I don't know what that's called. So either he's a cyborg, a or it's yeah, a joint, or there's just a hole in his arm, and the and there's like metal or something. But that was a socket. That was a metal socket. So he's a cyborg. Gonna go with that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I was saying before, I was like really shocked. All of a sudden, he had a cybernetic arm, and I was like, "That's interesting take." So that's great. Thank you for uh, enlightening us with that, Lord Deathman, on the the what if comics and the Ultron comics there, and uh, giving us kind of that little bit of the history there because I, I didn't know about that. So. I want to thank you for that. So as the moves on, you know, basically the watcher tells us, you know, basically what would happen if Ultron had exceeded. He gets into Vision's body. He's now, you know, in Vision's body. He's done what he's supposed to do. And then all of a sudden he decides to basically, you know, create, basically recreate the world and sends off this giant nuclear uh, explosion to basically destroy the whole world. So then all of a sudden after he's done that, all of a sudden... Thanos pops up, and what happens to Thanos? 
he gets killed by by Ultron, and I was like, holy crap! Like this, I I, I was like, and he just like saws him in half with his, his the basically the, the mind stone. And I'm like, holy crap. So my th- question for you guys is, what did you think about all of a sudden Thanos being taken out so quickly like that in that scene? Starting with you, Lord Deathman. Oh, man. Earlier today, I got into such a dust up on the interwebs with folks who were like, man, Thanos shouldn't have been taken out that easily and that quickly. And, you know, like the real nerd stuff where everyone thinks of Thanos as the ultimate sort of uber villain top of the food chain. And there's no way it could have been a single strike. He didn't get a word in. And I will say it did happen a bit easily. As far as my estimation went, it did seem to be kind of abrupt. I wish Thanos had, it was more of an exchange and it didn't have to be a long one. As long as Thanos had gotten in a line or a blow, I might've been a little bit more satisfied. But here's the thing, right? Again, just like with Hawkeye's arm getting blown off and trying to create that moment of surprise and delight for the fans, that's what this Thanos thing was. The writer sacrificed keeping the internal consistency in the physics of the MCU that says Thanos should not be able to be stopped by a single laser, but he traded it in for that quick kill that got the effect from the audience that they wanted, which is we were surprised and we're talking about it. So I was okay with it in the end, especially in this context of a what if alternate type story. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I was like, wow, that was like, you know, like you were saying, you know, I can't believe Thanos was taken out that quickly. But at the same time, I thought it was an interesting concept that it was that simple to at the same time. That's what I, I appreciated about yeah. it is that they You're did absolutely that. Right. You're absolutely right there, Cyber. Good call. Yeah, because I I would say that they did, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, the most, you know, that we've known since the beginning, you know, Thanos coming, you know, we finally see him in Infinity War, we see him in Endgame, you know, this person that is supposedly considered, you know, the greatest threat, like you were mentioning earlier, and then all of a sudden being taken out that quickly like that in this episode was just really interesting and refreshing, I thought. Uh, How about you, Sally? What did you think about uh, Thanos popping up and being uh, destroyed so quickly? If Thor had gone for the head, that would have happened in Infinity War 2. Also, I was focused on the fact that, again, impossible that there wouldn't have been any blood or gore. So, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what my mind goes to. <laughs> well, if you think about it, though, the Mind Stone's basically kind of like a laser. So, a laser basically would cauterize all the vessels in the body and you wouldn't bleed out so Uh-oh. if you think about it that Uh-oh. way <laughs> Never cyber's taking us to school cauterization <laughs> oh, yeah God. so you know so that possibly could be about it too but you, you, yeah, but like, you know cartoon violence you know go ahead sally you would see some kind of insides somehow even if it's just mm-hmm. a burnt husk you would see insides ah uh, so you want them to go real graphic with it. They did it in the zombie episode. I can't be here. <laughs> different team. Different animation team. I mean, yeah. Yeah, good point. I just like gore. <laughs> there Can you go. I add one more thing to this discussion? One more note about this fight. Yes, There's Lord Deathman. interesting Death irony about how Thanos is killed. He's cut in half. 
And, you know, if anyone could have done it, I would have given it to Ultron to immediately assess the threat and come up with the most efficient way of destroying his target. Thanos wanted to have the universe and Ultron had him. <laughs> so I do think that, you know, that that was intentional, uh, a little bit of comedy there on the part of I'm the just, writers. I'm wondering what the hell happened to Wanda and Pietro, but I don't, I, I was so focused on the gore. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah. What happened to Wanda and Pietro? Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would have been interesting to see them in the episode, most definitely. Yeah. So once, once probably, you know, so once Ultron has killed Thanos, he basically inherits the stones, and he ends up basically, you know, creating a almost like an outer layer from himself that looks just like Ultron, where the basically the gems ha are now injected into, and he basically has ultimate power. So going back to Lord Deathman's talk about this being the Ultra Ultron, so. We see him do that, and he basically it empowers him now to like take care of the whole universe now and do what he wants to do with the universe. And so slowly it goes through different places that we're familiar with, different you know planets that we've seen different characters and stuff from that he starts to go and obliterate. So first he you know he ends up taking out Asgard. Which I thought was kind of interesting. That's the first place they decided to go and destroy. Because I'm thinking maybe he thinks Thor is probably one of the biggest threats to him. Maybe. I don't know. They didn't explain that or anything like that. But that's just a thought I had on it. So as he slowly goes and destroys all these places. You see, you kind of see the watch in the background going, oh crap. How did he, you know, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, you know, after Ultron has completely done what he's done. And he's basically got no purpose. You know, that's when he all of a sudden discovers multi-dimensions oh the multiverse Ooh, the multiverse and i thought it was interesting too that they had him kill off ego i what were your guys' thoughts on that that them including ego into his destruction through the different planets and so forth what were your thoughts on that how about starting with you sally what were your thoughts on that ego was horrible anyway ultron is just slightly worse so, okay. of course, he's going to kill something that's horrible because he's determined to make, like, a perfect world. And he thinks it's evolution or something, but, like, you can't have evolution without living beings. So. True, true. So that's what ego was, really, I think. Okay. If I remember correctly, he was evolution. Okay. He was a living planet. Yeah, he basically was born from nothing. So yeah, evolution would definitely be, I would say, the you know key for if you know you go back to the comics or if you were to like maybe talk to the writers, maybe that's what their thoughts were. He was like evolution kind of. I definitely could yeah. see that. How about you, Lord Deathman? What did you think about them ha having ego a part of those planets being destroyed? He takes out quite a few major forces in the MCU cosmology at many different scales. So he goes after Asgard. I think it's pretty obvious why those guys have been responsible for keeping order throughout the nine realms. They represent the most orderly arm army threat to him. He goes after the sovereign. If I remember correctly, I think he mm -hmm. also got the guardians of the galaxy, but to yep. your question about ego, I think ego represents a celestial. 
right? A, a, yep. a massively powerful target that could intervene with his plans, right? But again, yeah. you're going to get the nerds who say, well, why didn't he go after a celestial? And why didn't he go after the Eternals? And, you know, it could go on and on. But I think they were trying to choose targets for Ultron that represented different power scales so you could say, hey, here's a team of cosmic adventurers with the Guardians. He took them out. Here's the Sovereign, right? A race that's sort of um, obsessed with perfection. Here's the Asgardians, uh, a very well-honed fighting force. So they were just trying to give you a variety of different scale power scales, I think, in terms of the people he was kind of offing when they were showing that montage. Very true, very true. I, I would I would have to agree with that. Yeah, most definitely, because that's what my thought was as it was showing the different places was power. He was taking out power that could basically dethrone him, basically. And that's right. what my thoughts were. Uh, exactly. So as, as we move on, so it, that happens, and all of a sudden Captain Marvel pops up to try to stop him and basically ends up getting destroyed uh, as well, which is, you know, kind of interesting because you're thinking, oh, you know, Captain Marvel's seems pretty impenetrable so the fact that he's able to destroy her with the infinity you know gauntlet or basically you know the infinity stones that was interesting i thought as well so after that happens you know like i was saying before he he now has he's completed his purpose and he and he's basically all alone and that's when the watcher comes in and starts talking a little bit about it and then that's when the multiverse comes into play because all of a sudden ultron uh discovers that there's this other realm where you know you two, you Uwato, what however you say his name, um, is watching him from. And so that that's when he starts to try to go and attack him. And that's all of a sudden when it pops back up on Earth and we're once again we're seeing Natasha and Clint. And they're trying to fu- they're trying to find basically information to help with stopping Ultron. And that's when they get the idea to bring out Zola into this, which I thought was really interesting that they popped him into this episode. So my th- my other question for you guys is, what did you think about them all of a sudden bringing back Zola, who, you know, we hadn't seen since, you know, you know Winter Soldier, and him being, you know, this integral, you know, computer system, and they actually have, you know, still have him where he's still existing, which was at the Hydra station that was where the Winter Soldiers were being created. So my official question is, what did you think about them bringing him back? Uh, starting with you, Sally, what did you think about them bringing Zola back? I love Zola as just like, well, first of all, a character. He's a very interesting character. And then I love him as like the little part of like the little mole that was in S.H.I.E.L.D. within S.H.I.E.L.D. that grew Hydra from within. And, um,. I always enjoy seeing computer Zola on screen. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bringing me back. Because nice. I saw nice. Winter Soldier in film or in the theaters on the night it came out. Because I was that obsessed with Captain America by that point. And when I saw Zola on the, on the computer, literally the entire theater just started clapping. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it it was definitely interesting to see them bring back Toby Jones uh, doing the voiceover for this episode and also 
bringing that character back in Amer- uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier as well, getting him back and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. Um, how about you, Lord Death, man? What did you think about Zola popping back up in this episode? Well, I love Zola, and I loved the opportunity to see him again, and props to Toby Jones for coming back to do the voice on Zola. I don't think anyone else could have pulled it off quite as well as he does. That sort of exaggerated Germanness, uh, which I'm sure German, real German people must cringe at. Um, but... <laughs> Swiss, actually. Uh, exactly. The uh, I'm sorry, Swiss German, uh, to, 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 which is a different v- variety of German altogether. Uh, thank God he's not Austrian, because then that would have been another discussion. But that being said, um, always good to see Zola back, but I thought the plan was half-baked. It's like, you know, mm. I've got a quantum computer that I need to take down I'm going to go into my high school locker and grab my Atari 2600 to try and get the job done. Zola versus <laughs> Ultron at this point, it mm. was a foregone conclusion. That That's like the root kit that won't work. <laughs> so I thought the plan was a little half-baked, but I did enjoy seeing Zola come back. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Yeah, it was kind of like what they were when it was kind of going on and like they were like, oh, we're going to upload you to Ultron. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did you realize this computer? This computer is like ancient, and Ultron is like a sophisticated, you know, mechanism. Basically, that it's is like a pretty, um, old, pretty old fucking computer. Like, how are you gonna? Up- I don't see how you can upload that to that. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely, I definitely agree there with you, Lord Deathman, on that. Most definitely, that was a very askew uh, uh, plan there. But that whole, you know what? Um, Basically, you know, after, you know, they put him into the uh, into the arrow and then they upload him into the one robot and the one robot isn't able to uplink and stuff like that. And they're fighting the robots and stuff like that. You know, we uh, keep going on. And uh, basically, you know, it, it ends up where, you know, basically Clint sacrifices himself in order to for Black Widow to get away. Kind of it, it, to me, that was kind of an homage. I think to Endgame. To me, that's what I thought when when it happened. Like it was kind of like for those people that wanted Clint to sacrifice himself in Endgame. I think this was kind of like you know Marvel's way of kind of reversing that and giving us what we wanted at first, you know, and not have Black Widow pass you know away basically. And uh, I think that was a really cool homage to you know Black Widow a little bit. So, you know, once they're up there and she's still talking to Zola, basically, you know, he's like, why weren't you able to upload? He's like, well, it's like, you know, he goes through all the schematics and stuff like that. And, you know, basically, like you were saying, that playing, he kind of, you know, backfires on them. And that's when all of a sudden, you know, they got to come up with another plan. And that's when the Watcher shows up to basically try to help them out. So I think, that I, you know, my next question is, you know, what did you think about the actual Watcher? being able it finally starts to interact with actual people in the MCU. Because, you know, till this point, we just ha- saw him in the background. He's talking about what's going on and stuff like that. He's not allowed to intercede. So what were your thoughts about him actually finally starting to kind of actually participate in the episode? Uh, how about you, Sally? What did you think about that? Um, I thought... Like, at first it was, like, comic relief. Like, guys, it's right there. It's right there. And then it was, like, really, 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 like, dark. It was, like, a fight between Ultron and um, the Watcher. And that part was, like, 
messing me up because there were so many parts of the multiverse that weren't um, explored yet. Like Steve being sworn in as president. What? Um, That part was, I started screaming. Oh, hell no. The minute Clint jumped. And then I just kept screaming. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Throughout the rest of the episode. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I, I could see it being an oh hell moment. Yes, most definitely. I could see that. No. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Lord Deathman? Oh, I loved it. First off, the action in this episode is top notch. You're eating well as an MCU fan in this particular episode. You get so many great homages, like the one you mentioned, where Clint is the one to sacrifice himself as opposed to Natasha. You get Black Widow wielding the Red Guardian shield in a kind of inverted Captain America type situation. So this episode was right where I needed them to be in terms of the level of energy and effort that they put into this. But that Watcher uh, Utah fight was a highlight because I thought America Chavez was going to be the first person to kind of punch someone into another reality. (laughs) But it just happens to be uh, Ultron Unlimited. Like, I mean, one punch from Ultron sends you into another universe. Just conceptually, that's just off the the charts. That's where I love to be in speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy. Um, The fight is just great. Uh, I loved the episode, as you can probably tell by now, when it comes to reactions and verdicts. But that was the true highlight of the episode, the Ultron um, Watcher fight. I totally agree. That was a fantastic fight. Um, I mean, all the different places they end up going through and fighting um, and just, you know, shows you how much power also the Watcher has as well. You know, because we, re- we really didn't know what his power was. Like, we knew he was powerful, but we didn't really know, like, see any of his powers. So it was really fun seeing him use his powers in this episode and give this this, like, really awesome fight. And it, you know, kind of gave us like an idea of what the Watcher could do if he ended up using his powers to intervene in things. Because that's one thing, you know, if you notice, Ultron says that to him. He's like, you, why haven't you intervened in any of these crazy things that have happened? You know, and he's like, I, you know, I gave him this oath. I can't break that oath, you know. And when all of a sudden Ultron opens his mouth to basically like engulf that area where they're fighting in that like middle scene. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the heck is he, going he on galaxy. here? It looks like he was yeah. taking a really big bite of a donut. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, that's insane. And uh, yeah, that's just a fantastic ep- fan- What the? What? I think Jeff is having some, well, rather cyber is having some technical difficulties and Jeff fell off a little while ago. So we may have to run the stream together, Sally. Oh, shit. You want to keep it going? <laughs> well, the Watcher's face should have been mush, but, but um, he's a he's a he's basically a god, so I guess his face wouldn't be sicky mush by the time Ultron was done with him. It looked like he had almost like sort of cracked his skull open with this kind of refractive energy he was kind of firing into his skull at one point but i'd imagine you know the watcher's a quick healer and also thinking about it you know 
they're multiversal beings, right? Uh, and I love the fact that they pay that off from the comic books for the Watcher, that he is this guy that sort of exists on these multiple planes. So I'm I guessing- I have no uh, idea what I'm doing, but keep going. Uh, anyway, um, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, yeah, uh, damage might be relative when you get to that level of power. So Yeah. Um. I, I, I don't know. Do you? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, this is the voice of Lord Deathman. We just want you to let you know that we're having some technical difficulties in the stream. We seem to have lost both of our co-hosts, but Sally and I are here. Uh, hopefully, they will return soon. So please do stay tuned for more of the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, ah! in ter- I, I will um sort of fill in for Cyber here and just sort of ask the question. I think we've gotten through most of the main beats of the episode, which was his plan. But really, what was your overall impression of the episode? How did it compare to, say, the last episode for you, Sally? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought, so, um, I enjoyed it, but I also had no idea what was going on for, like, most of it. In the sense that, um, the the premise wasn't making a lot of sense to you, or were you just, like, unable to kind of follow the action? I was unable to follow it. I, I got the premise. I got the, you know. What if Ultron won? It's a pretty simple one. Yeah, I got that. I was just yeah. sitting there like, holy shit, holy shit. Sorry, holy S-H, holy S-H. And then I was like, oh no, when Clint sacrificed himself. And then for the rest of the episode, I was just mourning the loss of Clint. While also watching and being like, holy, f- holy fruit. I, I don't want to say the F word. Right. I hear you, though. Yeah, there were lots of surprise moments in this episode. So I think it was a huge comeback from the previous episode, which I was a little soft on because it felt like kind of a little bit of a throwaway. So, yeah, um, I think I think this is what Marvel does at this point. It gives us like a couple of movies that are like or a couple of episodes that are like funny or fun or um campy or something and um then just makes one that completely shatters uh your perception of what's been going on like for for me it's Thor Ragnarok and then Infinity War I have this theory that Thor Ragnarok was sort of the last fun thing before they rip our hearts out right before we get to business as usual, like Infinity War style heartbreak. You're yeah. thinking Thor Ragnarok was represented that sort of brief respite that we're going to mm-hmm. get. I could I could see that. I could see that. But um, they always manage to turn it around. So I think they're going to bring back the positivity, positivity shortly after we get uh, Thor Love and Thunder. But um, I know... Cyber was hoping to sort of do a breakdown of the Hawkeye trailer that came out recently. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, Sally. Oh, I've seen it and I'm pretty pissed. 
Christmas is my, Christmas is like my least favorite time of year, and it takes place like during Christmas, and it's so just no. Wow is is it just is is it like seasonal affective disorder? What what's um <laughs> what don't you like about Christmas? My uh, family is mostly dead. Okay, my parents, that would do my it. My sister, my aunts. My parents and sister are fine, just to clarify. Got it. The aunts are fine, but everybody else is dead. I understand. So it wouldn't exactly be the most wonderful time of the year for you. But putting no, aside like the put it, putting aside the holiday theme for a minute, I mean, do you think the series has potential or is this gonna be a no go for you because it's set around Christmas too? I, I mean Christmas. Time. I'm I'm pretty excited to see Kate in this and the callbacks to Ronin and Endgame and stuff. That's what I'm excited for. I'm going right. to ignore the Christmas part for a minute. And so like, I know that, um, are you a comic book reader? Have you read Matt Fraction's my life is a weapon? So uh-huh. I got into the movies when I was 12 and I've only picked up one or two comic books that are like Black Widow. I'm not that into comic books as a medium, but I am very much into movies. I might have to pick up the comic books at some point, but uh, I've only read one and it was on my Kindle and it was years ago. And that's totally fine. I think the MCU at this point can kind of accept all levels, wherever your trajectory is coming into the fandom be it animated stuff, live action from the old Sony Fox universe, or if you're just coming in on the MCU movies themselves. But I have a feeling that this Hawkeye series is going to borrow heavily from My Life as a Weapon, which is a pretty renowned Hawkeye story out there, which has the introduction of the female Hawkeye, of of Kate. So uh, a lot of it's going to come from that. That's a really great story. There's a lot of humor and heart in that story. And it's so esoteric and weird. Um, I I wonder how casual audiences are going to respond to some of the things or how much they're going to keep from the comic and how much they're going to put in. But um, yeah, just um, so I I know the Christmas thing sort of bothers you, but um, was there anything that that sort of looked like a a highlight in that trailer for you? Uh, Just the callbacks to Ronin and Endgame and stuff. Those those were the only parts that I enjoyed thoroughly. Right. And I also right. like that his family is back and that he's like trying to put Ronan behind him and he can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also kind of interesting that Hawkeye is sort of having to put his family second again. So that being said, um, I see cyber just dropped in a, a, a note uh, saying that he's looking forward to Haley Seinfeld, you know, taking on the Kate Bishop role. And I think we're all excited for Haley Seinfeld because she's such an exciting, dynamic young yes. actress who does fantastic work. Um, so I thought it was a huge get for them when they announced that she was in the cast. I mean, how do you feel about uh, Haley? Never heard of her before the Hawkeye thing, but. Okay. Um, she seemed pretty badass in the trailer. 
Well, uh, you are in for a treat because she is an exceptionally talented young actress. Uh, she was in a Transformers film recently. She's been in a lot of kind of young adult sort of comedies and dramedies and things like that. And she's always, um, she's probably one of the most talented, I'd say top five actresses of her generation. And she's a perfect fit for Kate Bishop. So really cool. looking forward to that. Yeah. But um, the MCU always has like, perfect casting so they do they're attracting a lot of great talent you know people want to be a part of it and the good part for us is that not only do they want to be a part of it because it would enhance their own profile but they always bring their a game no one wants to be the weakest link in the mcu uh and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty grateful for that at this point so it's easier for them to attract top talent retain that talent and um that talent is going to do their best to sort of perform uh, at a high level. But one last thing that we absolutely have to talk about with regards to the Hawkeye trailer, Rogers, the musical. <laughs> what? What's your take on that? It's. Oh my God. Is that the cap is, are they making Captain America musical? Well, there is a musical in the MCU about Steve Rogers, and it's called Rogers the Musical. And it's sort of styled, uh, if you've ever seen Rent, uh, either the movie I've, or the musical. I've heard of it. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of in that style. Uh, um, <laughs> they're getting some young hipsters to play the parts of the Avengers. That's exciting. Um, People are more excited fun. to see Rogers the Musical than they are to see Hawkeye. That's, That's really fun. It is. I the only musical number I know involving Steve Rogers is the one that I am not going to sing right now, but the one from the first Avengers. Oh For yeah. Me, you guys do not want to hear me sing. Well, uh, I'll take your word for that. Uh, but, you know, it's not not mandatory for you while you're on the MCU's bleeding edge. Um, but I just wanted to get your feelings on that because uh, that's been spreading throughout social and the Internet. That's, that's the big meme from the Hawkeye trailer. Rogers the musical. That sounds so fun. Yeah. And they really did it so well because obviously they shot a lot of this in New York. And they they dressed um, an actual playhouse in New York with Rogers the musical posters and banners. But oh my god! They did it digitally, right? So because had they done it on location while they were filming, it would have been much less of a surprise because everyone would have known about it because of leakers and whatnot. Digital so I'm glad they did it digitally. Hurts yeah. my heart. Like, yeah. like CGI blood hurts me viscerally <laughs> we're gonna have to get to the bottom of that at some point sally you're gonna have to sort of unwind that whole cgi blood thing but <laughs> oh god <laughs> it just looks so cheap <laughs> flying through the air so it's got to be the 3m formula blood uh flying around to to make you a happy camper <laughs> it's gotta be like realistic Realistic looking and like gore. Realistic no, I hear you. Or realistic looking blood. I want that. Not to go off top topic, but um, have you ever seen Sin City? No, but I There's... watch a lot of horror movies. Well, you should add if you're looking for 
realistic gore, I think Sin City's up at the top there for comic book movies, mm-hmm. for comic book movies in the genre. There's plenty of places you can get other realistic gore in other genres and so forth and so on. But we've got Cybernetic Shark back in the chat telling us that Rogers the Musical is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, even Cyber knows about this particular meme. It looks like you've got some catching up to do, Sally. I'm going on Tumblr, <laughs> like right now. Blood galore is intensity. That's good to know. It is. Thanks, Cyber. We're going to give you some homework here on the MCU's Bleeding Edge. When you get off the line here, when you get off the stream, Google deadly little Miho. <laughs> How do you spell Miho? Wait, wait. Wait, let me let me let you the first thing that came up. Oh God, Rogers! Hold on, hold on. Sorry, what? I'm checking the spelling myself. I was about to give you an incorrect spelling. I'm like, wait a second, is that how it's spelled? Um, yes, Deadly Little Miho, as in M I H O. Okay, got Uh, it. That'll be worth your while. That'll take about four minutes of your time, and you're gonna love it. I um, am staring at a gif of uh, Rogers the Musical, and it looks so fun. They're just yeah. spinning and power posing. Only the MCU at this point can make something, because you don't really put comic book fans and musical fans sort of in the same proximity usually, but now you've got diehard comic book fans enraptured with a fictional musical about steve rogers so only the mcu could bring those two types of fans together sitcom fans comic book fans there's a lot of cross-pollination going on when it comes to the mcu yeah so uh you know i'm glad we had a chance to chat about this sally you're uh you're wonderful to speak with i'm so glad we got the chance to talk about the hawkeye trailer i do wish that cyber and jeff were with us but they've obviously been detained so i am going to ask you if you want to continue the discussion and talk a little bit about phase four in terms of uh projects you're looking forward to i haven't even googled phase four yet so probably not (laughs) fair enough fair enough um did you get a chance to see shang chi not yet. No, okay. I, I am completely against like renting something when it's in theaters, and I don't want to. I don't want to like beg my family to let me see this in theaters because they were apprehensive about letting me see Black Widow. Yeah, they care. But about I saw you. that in theaters the day after it opened. Nobody was there. Practically empty theater. I was one of like ten people, and that that made me very upset. Yeah, it was a little distressing. I was also in a semi-empty theater for Black Widow the second time I saw it. But what did you think of the film? Did that um, hurt your experience there, the lack of an audience? No, not really. I loved the film. Yeah, It was it was a very good send-off to Black Widow. I thought so. Cyber's was packed. It. I think we discussed ah. this on the last time I was here. Okay, okay. Uh, I missed that episode, but um, good to hear that you enjoyed the film. So, um, episode well, one of What If was that podcast? Ah, okay, okay, yeah. So, uh, I wonder if Cyber is still in the chat. He, he, oh, he is, and he does say that his theater for Black Widow was absolutely packed. 
Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I, I had a semi-packed theater my first viewing and then an empty one, the second one. So, mm. yeah. I was lucky to get a viewing in theaters because, like, my parents were, my parents are so crazy, like, paranoid. Well, I, I believe sure COVID is a very big deal, but I, I'm fully vaccinated. So I feel that, like, at this point, Telling me, you know, don't go to theaters, even though they're mostly empty, is like pointless. Well, you know, parents are going to worry. You know, I mean, I know you're a grown woman, but um, I'm at this point, yeah. there's there's no getting a parent to stop worrying about their kid, no matter how old they get. So I, I applaud them for for <laughs> being a uh, you know for looking out for you. Mm, thanks. We should wrap it up. Cyber Cyber said we could. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll is, call Jeff when we're done with this. All right. Uh, this has been one of the strangest but most exhilarating podcasts I've been on. I ended up turning into a guest host, as did you, Sally. So uh, what I will say in wrapping up this episode, guys at home, I hope you've had a good time chatting with us as far as what if is concerned both episodes seven and eight and the Hawkeye trailer, which we discussed here. If they make a musical of Rogers, the musical, you can bet that cyber Jeff, Sally and myself are probably going to be the first ones online to see that. Yes. And um, I would love to let you know all of the social details in terms of where you can sort of reach out to the folks on the MCU's bleeding edge. You can certainly find some of them at Sakar, the board that I am affiliated with, which is uh, sakar.freeforums.net. Please do remember to check out the podcast of Champions, where Jeff is a frequent guest, and he actually guest hosted our last episode. So you definitely want to check that out when we get it up online. But um, Sally, thanks for joining us here today on the MCU's bleeding edge, and Mm -hmm. um, hope to see you again on our next one. Hell yeah. All right. Be well, everyone. Peace. And cut. (laughs) I guess they're they're gonna have to sort of deal with the um deal with the 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 sort of post editing on that. So I guess we can both just drop off the stream now, Sally. Uh uh, this is a little awkward for me, and I'm just trying to improvise here, but uh I think guys. Oh wait, follow me on TikTok at Sally the MCU girl and um, my listen to my podcast at CU. Um, the words CU in the MCU. But, well, you know what, Sally? Let's do another take of that because they're gonna probably have to cut that in. Uh, I'm gonna sure. count it off, and you do it on three. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Follow me on my TikTok at Sally the MCU girl. And follow me on uh, Anchor or wherever you get your podcasts at CU, the words CU in the MCU. All right. Thank you for that, Sally. And to everyone else Mm -hmm. out there, take care. Night. Cut.